the World Wrestling Federation, for over 50 years. Symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. G1 Climax and all the matches, all the participants and their stories and I'm going to go down all, uh, run down all the big matches from every single day and tell you my thoughts on which ones are going to be great and give you my predictions and ideas for who's going to win uh, so this podcast is going to serve two purposes I hope uh, one for the longtime fan of New Japan Pro Wrestling, it'll just offer some analysis and ideas for you to consider and you can interact with. Uh, and for the new to the new viewer, new time viewer uh, of New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, especially if you're just starting to get right into it, maybe you watched the G1 special in the U.S. and you thought, "Hmm, that's something I want to check out." Well, this can serve as an entry point for you. Uh, to the product because the G1 is one of the best times to start watching New Japan because it produces some of the best matches of the year and has some of the most interesting stories as everything ramps up uh, leading into Wrestle Kingdom next January. So everything is building towards that and I think you will thoroughly enjoy becoming a fan of New Japan Pro Wrestling out of this. So I'm hoping that I would be able to help you uh, get to know the product a little bit better and think about some of the stories involved. So before I jump right into running down the A block and the B block in the New Japan uh, G1 Climax, first I'm just going to tell you what the G1 Climax is, just in case you don't know. And it's actually one of the biggest events of the summer and one of the biggest events in the entire year for New Japan Pro Wrestling outside of Wrestle Kingdom. It is a round-robin tournament and the biggest tournament in wrestling every year in terms of prestige, I, th I, I think, anyways. Uh, some may disagree, but I think it's the, the biggest in terms of prestige and certainly in the match quality that it produces. And so it's a round-robin tournament with an A block and a B block. 
that's going to start on July 17th, and they're going to run 19 shows, with the final show being a, the the finals between the winners of the A block the winner, and the winner of the B block. And the winner wins a contract for a title shot at Wrestle Kingdom. And that's kind of New Japan Pro Wrestling's WrestleMania, so to speak. Uh, uh, Right now, it's actually my show of the year uh, between that and New Japan's Dominion. Uh, So Wrestle Kingdom is always, always a big show. It's on January 4th every year from the Tokyo Dome. Uh, And it's just always outstanding. Always, always great. And all the stories they tell leading into it kind of really start here. Although they, New Japan is really great at long-term booking. Uh, I would not be shocked if they've been planting seeds for this story f- since uh, New Year's Dash right after the Wrestle Kingdom uh, 11, I believe it was, earlier this year. So, starting there, we're going to jump in, and I'm just going to tell you who the, the A block participants are and some interesting stories surrounding them, and then the B block. And... By the end of this podcast, too, uh, I put the question out there uh, on Twitter. If anyone had any thoughts about it, uh, I will read those uh, at the end of the podcast if we got some time uh, and see what we have there. So the A block features Bad Luck Fale and Hiroki Goto, Kota Abushi, which is very interesting, uh, but we'll get to that in a second. Tomohiro Ishii, Togi Makabe, Yuji Nagata, Tetsuya Naito, Zack Sabre Jr., and the ace, Hiroshi Tanahashi. So, Bad Luck Fale has kind of been uh, a, a long-standing member of the A Block here, uh, and he is... He's kind of the monster heel in New Japan. He's not... He's not huge compared to some of the big guys in WWE. I mean, I think he's only only around 6'3", 6'4". I say only, my goodness. Uh, And, you know, close to 300 pounds. But he's not a horrible worker. He's just not great. But he's the kind of guy you're going to have there if you want to have, uh, you know, just a monster for someone to overcome. And so in this, he'll probably get a few big wins, but... You know, it's unlikely he'll win it. He'll probably be just above the middle range in the points department. Um, And, you know, beat enough guys to think that he's a threat, but never quite get there. Um, Then there's Hiroki Goto, a member of the Chaos Stable, who made it all the way to the finals last year and was ultimately defeated by Kenny Omega. So that was actually a bit of a surprise because no one was really expecting him to make it that far. Uh, and this year, that might be a bit different. Uh, Goto put on some great performances, just fantastic matches in the G1 last year. And uh, we might see him go far again, uh, but I don't think he's going to make the finals. But the question is, can he repeat the performance that he had last year? Next up is Kota Ibushi, which is very, very interesting. Uh I hate to break the secret to you, I'm going to break kayfabe, but Kota Ibushi has been working in New Japan as Tiger Mask W, 
And so it's kind of interesting to see him return to the heavyweight division uh, and under his actual name. And he's not been in New Japan for a while under that name, uh, but has been traveling the world uh, since the Cruiserweight Classic last summer. And since he hasn't signed with WWE, it's kind of a, a first really big company appearance for him as Kota Ibushi. And uh, there's a very interesting reason why he's here. And I'm going to go with my, my predictions on this. Um, I could be wrong, but he has a long-standing feud slash tag team with Kenny Omega. And I think that might make it a very interesting final, but we'll get there in a second once I start running down the matches. Uh, Tomohiro Ishii, the tank of New Japan Pro Wrestling. This guy is just a... That's really the only way to describe him. He's a tank, an angry tank, and a tank that will hit you with a forearm right in the head. And I think I took this analogy too far. But uh, Ishii is absolutely fantastic. He puts on outstanding match after outstanding match, and he's not a young fella anymore. He's in his early 40s, but still produces very, very high-quality matches, and he's always the kind of guy to, that you want to watch, and he's just below that that Tokyo Dome main event level. He always has some of the best matches in the G1, but he never seems to have quite won it. And so the story for him going into this is, can this year finally be the year where Ishii finally makes it to the finals? And not only that, but wins. And that would be quite a great story to tell if they decide to go that direction. Uh, and it would be certainly well earned. If you watch the G1 specials in the U.S., uh, his matches that whole weekend were just awesome, and especially the finals against Kenny Omega. But uh, his match with Naito and Zack Sabre Jr. were also very good. So this guy, he's vastly underappreciated. Uh, Ishii is just a machine, and he's so much fun to watch. So if you're watching New Japan for the first time, uh, watch out for this guy. He may not look like much. He's just this short little thick dude who will smash you with forearms, but he has some of the best selling you will ever see. Uh, he makes it look like someone is killing him every single time he gets hit. And he is legitimately terrifying, and he's, well, I think he's only like 5'5", five, 5'6", five, five, and he's like 220 pounds. The dude, the dude is a tank, but he's awesome. Just trust me on that. You, you want to watch this guy wrestle. He's fantastic. Uh, then there's Togi Maccabee, a legend in New Japan. He just, went, just had his 20th anniversary of his wrestling career. They did an entire show dedicated to his 20th anniversary earlier this year. Uh, he is a long-term veteran, and he looked for, looked for him to get a few uh, big wins here just to kind of keep him you know, as a threat and say, hey, this, this Maccabee guy, he can still do it. Um, but I don't expect him to win it. Uh, he's just, he can't hang with the top guys as much anymore, but he'll still produce some great matches. So this is not uh, a, anything against him. I really like Togi Maccabee. 
He's kind of like a, that angry, grumpy guy who just hates everyone. That's really the best way to describe it. Ishii is, uh, you know, he's he doesn't really hate anyone. He's just, I'm going to smash you. Whereas Makabe just hates everyone, even his friends. So that's the kind of guy he is. Uh, really the best way to describe him. Um, at Wrestle Kingdom, he had one of the funniest matches I've ever seen against uh, the Gorillas of Destiny in that match. There was so much swearing. So much swearing in that match. The guys just telling each other to F off, and every time they hit each other, they'd be swearing, and Maccabee would be like, Ah, F you! And Steve Carino on commentary at the time had to put his headset down because he was laughing so hard. Uh, it was not a PG match, but it was really funny. And I'm not—I'm not the person, kind of person who swears. I mean, this this podcast is PG for a reason. Uh, and but I—I I thought that was funny. But that kind of sums up Togi Maccabee's character. Next up is Yuji Nagata, the living legend. This guy has been around forever, and uh, they've announced that this is his last G1. Uh, just like Jushin Liger earlier this year announced he was having his last uh, Best of the Super Juniors. And it's kind of hard to imagine a G1 without Nagata, just like it's hard to imagine one without uh, Tenzon, and Tenzon isn't in this one. Um, he had his last one last year. And that That's kind of sad. But Nagata, it's probably getting to that time where it's time to hang hang it up maybe maybe not retire but not do the g1 anymore it's a very grueling schedule and the older you get the harder it is on you and uh, nagata i don't expect him to do overly well this time around he'll get some big wins here and there just to kind of say hey this legend he's he's still got a shot but uh i expect him to have a strong start and then as the tournament goes on they'll go into the story and say He's slowing down, he's hurt, He's and then he just can't keep up with the younger guys, and the younger guys end up beating him. Uh, next is Tetsuya Naito, which uh, he shouldn't be, but he's kind of a dark horse to win the whole thing. Uh, Naito is fantastic, and I don't really think I need to say much other than that about him um, for the New Japan fans who already know who he is. But Tetsuya Naito was a guy who New Japan was behind and just didn't get over originally. And then he went to Mexico, joined Los Ingobernables, came back to Japan and formed Los Ingobernables de Japan. Uh, if I, my Spanish is horrible, I apologize. I'm Canadian, so Spanish is not my strong point. Uh, Naito came back as a heel, basically, and uh, developed this character of not caring about anything. He's tranquilo. And it's... Actually, if you watch NXT, um, oh, uh, Andrade Cien Almas, uh, very similar character, but Cien Almas was a member of Los Ingobernables in Mexico before he came to the WWE. And so they were actually a member of the same stable. So when you watch them, you're going to see... Somewhat of a similar character, although um, Cien Almas is more of a, a womanizer now, whereas Naito just doesn't care about anything. He's 
uh, as evidenced by his intercontinental title reign that he just uh, lost the, t- uh, the title recently, uh, he would take the belt and throw it around and dis- uh, you know throw it at the ring post and just utter disregard for the rebelt. And he actually damaged it quite severely to where it was falling apart. And when Hiroshi Tanahashi finally beat him for it, uh, Tanahashi repaired the belt and said, uh, you know, you know, kind of bring an honor back to it. But Tetsuya Naito wanted to uh, retire the title if he defended it against Tanahashi. He thought it was a useless title. And anyways, he's the kind of guy that shows no respect for the belt that he has. When he was the IWGP heavyweight champion, uh, he was throwing that belt around too. And so he's kind of this... Uh, ultimate heel but everyone kind of loves him because his character is so charismatic and interesting and he's going to produce some really great matches and he might win the whole thing they might go with an okada naito main event at the tokyo dome which i'm all for that's going to be awesome if they do go that way Uh, next up is zack saber jr one of the best technical wrestlers in the world and since uh, Daniel Bryan or Bryan Danielson has retired, has won the Observer Award for Best Technical Wrestler, now known as the Bryan Danielson Award. Uh, and he has, I think, one or two or three years in a row now. Um, and this is his first G1. Uh, it's kind of weird because he's really the size of a junior. He's not, he's not a big man. But I ex- fully expect him to have some great, great matches with uh, a lot of the guys here. Ishii, Abushi, Goto, Tanahashi, those will all be great matches. Actually, pretty much every match he's going to have is going to be great. Uh, he's a lot of fun to watch. And I fully, fully expect this to be... Uh, he might have one or two breakout matches where it's like, okay, Saber's here to stay. This is this is not a guy who's just a one-off. He's here to stay. Uh, maybe a win over Tanahashi or a Naito or even Nagata. Uh, we'll see, though. Uh, that should be very interesting to watch his first performance. I do not expect him to win it, but I do expect him to do well. He's going to have several good matches. And finally, closing out the A... Or, oh, sorry, there's two more guys. I forgot one person in the A block. Uh, Yoshihashi. Uh, I, my apologies to Yoshihashi. He's also in the A block, and he's a member of Chaos with Hiroki Goto. So the two members of Chaos in and uh, in this group, I'm trying to see if there's any others there. Uh, no, I don't believe so. So uh, Hashi is another guy who will probably have some surprise wins in this in this tournament. Um, Last year, he did a lot better than I thought he was going to do, and it was actually quite fun to watch him. Uh, I was never really a big fan of Yoshihashi, and then last year's G1, it was I thought, you know, he's not that bad. He's not. He's pretty good. Uh, I don't expect him to win, but I do expect him to do fairly well. Uh, middle range, maybe a little bit above, kind of like the bad luck fall day spot. And this might open up some matches down the line. I, I could see him even beating uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi and getting an intercontinental title match somewhere down the line because of that. So that's that should be interesting to watch him. Uh, and finally, rounding out the uh, A block, the ace, the man, Hiroshi Tanahashi. 
the IWGP Intercontinental Champion, one of the best wrestlers alive today, uh, arguably the best wrestler in the world, and he certainly was at some point. There's a lot of other guys who are in that conversation uh, now, like Okada and Omega, but don't dismiss Tanahashi. He's absolutely fantastic. Um, he is dealing with a torn bicep, but it appears to have healed sufficiently enough for him to be able to work, as evidenced by the G1 special in the USA. And, uh, you know, that match wasn't his fault. He had a match with a Billy Gunn that was, well, not very good, but that was not Tanahashi's fault. We'll blame Billy Gunn for that. Um, I fully expect Tanahashi to have several blow-away matches this year. Uh, last year, because he was coming off an injury, actually kind of like this year, coming off an injury as well, but last year it was a bit more serious, a shoulder separation and surgery, and he lost more than I thought he was going to. Um, this should be interesting to see what they do with him. Uh, I don't expect Tanahashi to win, but I expect him to be very close to it. Uh <laughs> But they might not. They might go a different direction and have a bunch of guys beat him like they did last year. Um, it wouldn't really hurt Tanahashi because he's Tanahashi. But uh, Tanahashi could win it too. Uh, and I'd be okay with that. Uh, I'm perfectly okay with another Okada-Tanahashi match. But I don't think that's going to be coming out of this G1. Uh, I do think we will see that match again next year. Um, and maybe even one more run at the top for Tanahashi. Uh, but I do not expect him to be main eventing at Wrestle Kingdom. I expect him to be defending or go fighting for the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, the match between him and Kota Ibushi might steal the whole tournament. That's going to be awesome. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. and Naito will have great matches with him. Goto will have a great match. Ishii... Uh, really, he's going to have a pretty much a great match with everyone. The In terms of quality, the worst matches that are always going to be when people come up against Bad Luck Fale. He is not the best worker in the world, uh, but it, none of the matches will be horrible. They're just, they'll just be there, and certainly not up to the typical standards of the G1. And so I figure, too, uh, before I move on to the B block... That's kind of closing our A block here. I should tell you who's members of what, what stable and what group, as, as that leads to some interesting matchups, because the groups are actually going to be facing off against each other and also members of the same group fighting each other. So in uh, the A block, we have Bad Luck Fale as a member of the Bullet Club. Uh, and really, there's no other member in that group uh, off the Bullet Club that I can see. Uh, Hiroki Goto is a member of Chaos. Abushi is unaffiliated. Ishii is a member of Chaos. Makabe is unaffiliated. Nagata is unaffiliated. Tetsuya Naito is, a, is the leader of Los Ingobernables to Hapan, but he won't be fighting any of his stablemates. Zack Sabre Jr. is a member of Suzuki-gun. Tanahashi is unaffiliated, and Yoshihashi is a member of Chaos. So we're going to have three Chaos members fighting each other at some point in this. But that seems to happen at every G1. Uh, it happened a few years ago in uh, the match that permanently made me a fan of New Japan when I saw uh, Kazu uh, Kazuchika Okada against Shinsuke Nakamura. 
in uh, the A or B block finals a few years ago. I can't remember which one. Um, but that was uh, me members of Chaos against each other. Uh, if you didn't know, K uh, Nakamura was a member of Chaos. Uh, so in the B block, we have Big Mike, Michael Elgin, uh, who is unaffiliated with any stable. Evil, who, yes, evil, all in caps. Uh, everything is evil, as he would say. Uh, he is a member of Los Ingobernables de Hapon, uh, and he'll be facing off against a, a stable mate later, but we'll get to that. Uh, Satoshi Kojima who is unaffiliated. Kazuchika Okada, who is the leader of Chaos, I suppose, although one could say it's really ghetto. Uh, but yes, Okada, the IWGP heavyweight champion, and I'll just be honest, the best wrestler in the world. This guy is unbelievable. He's had probably one of the best title runs ever recently in recent memory. And so I, I haven't talked much about Elgin, Evil, or Kojima, uh, but I, I wanted to talk about Okada first because this guy, you, I've never really seen anyone quite like him. Not for a long time, anyways. This, this fellow has a real claim to being the best wrestler in the world today, and if he keeps going the way he's going, he may go down as the greatest wrestler of all time. Uh, there's just just something with how he produces his mat these outstanding matches with every single person he wrestles even the match with uh, Cody Rhodes at the G1 special which was a slight disappointment for me was still a really awesome match uh i mean for him <laughs> a bad match for him is four stars and to put that in perspective an average match is two stars that's just, you know, kind of right, right along the line of average. That's the, the, the normal match everyone has. And Okada is just outstanding match after outstanding match. Uh, I've been a fan of his for a while, but he was never my really favorite. But uh, this year, I'm watching him and I'm thinking, I'm seeing the Michael Jordan of wrestling right here. This guy is just outstanding. So his story in the G1, being the IWGP champion, is if he wins, he gets to pick his challenger at Wrestle Kingdom. So there's lots of interesting options there. If he actually goes and wins the whole G1, will he pick a match against Kenny Omega? Will he pick someone else like, um, I don't know, a Minoru Suzuki or a Tanahashi or Ishii? You never know. Uh, so there's lots of little interesting stories they can go with going forward if he wins. So now we're going to swing back to Michael Elgin. Uh, ever since he lost the Intercontinental title, he's kind of been floundering a little bit. You know, not not really without direction, I should say. He he seems to have not had much of a good run in terms of storyline direction. But that doesn't mean he hasn't been producing bad matches. The man is outstanding. Uh, just watched the G1 special in the U.S. He had great matches with a whole bunch of guys. Uh, who did he wrestle on the first night? He, oh, darn it. can't remember who he wrestled. That's going to drive me crazy. I'm going to look that up. Uh, but in the meantime, I'm going to talk about Evil's story. Evil is a member of Los Angobernables de Hapon, as I already said. 
and he is an up-and-comer uh, in New Japan Pro Wrestling, and the kind of guy you want to keep your eye on. I see him as a future champion, uh, a future champion at the, uh, like, you know, he might beat Okada someday in the Tokyo Dome. Uh, very talented guy. I, I expect him to get an Intercontinental title run eventually, uh, which should be very interesting to see. And I fully think he's going to have some surprising wins here. I know I've just been realized, I've just been saying I fully think a lot in this. And now I'm drawing attention to it. Oh, well, great audio, right? Uh, so, uh, here we go. Who did Elgin face? Who did Elgin face in the first? Oh, okay, yeah, he fought Kenny Omega. Oh, my gosh. How did I forget that? That was an awesome match. So we're going back to Elgin here. He had an outstanding match in the, um, the G1 uh, special uh, for the U.S. title tournament against Kenny Omega, and he did end up losing, but barely. Uh, I That was one of the best matches of the entire uh, two-show block there. Um, I fully expect him to actually beat Kenny Omega this time around, uh, potentially setting up a, free, a future U.S. title shot. Um, maybe at uh, Destruction or something like that uh, coming up. Um, I don't know if Omega will lose the U.S. title, uh, but it'll be interesting to see. I, I, I think that will be uh, fun to watch and see what happens there. Uh, so Satoshi Kojima, another legend in this tournament. Uh, I expect he'll deliver some very good matches. I'm actually really looking forward to the match with Okada that he's going to have. That's going to be outstanding. Uh, Kojima is, has slowed down, but he can still go, uh, especially when it comes to a big special match. And I figure if you put him in a main event match against a guy like uh, Okada or an Omega, or even a Minoru Suzuki, he would have a blowaway match. And so I, th I, I think he's going to have a pretty good tournament. Uh, I don't think I, I don't recall if he's ever wrestled Michael Elgin before. That's going to be interesting to watch. To uh, Ko Kojima, the leader of the Bread Club, if you follow him on Twitter, uh, what a great guy! Very, very, very classy and kind to his uh, foreign fans. And whenever when New Japan announced they would be doing shows in the U.S. Kojima decided to start tweeting in English as well as Japanese because he can speak English. Uh, there's a funny story one time somewhere I heard on Wrestling Observer Radio where he met Triple H and Triple H wasn't aware that he could speak English. And uh, Kojima uh, spoke some perfect English. Let's just put it that way. Uh, I don't I don't re remember the full story, but it's quite amusing. I remember it being amusing. Uh, go subscribe to Wrestling Observer, and the website there, and listen to the back archive. And Dave Meltzer tells that story at some point, and it's quite funny. Uh, so coming up after uh, Kojima's Okada, who we already talked about, and after him is Kenny Omega, another guy who you can argue is the best wrestler in the world. He is just phenomenal right now, and having one of those runs that are just pure legendary. Uh, you know, legend, wait for it, dairy. Uh, Kenny Omega is outstanding. Uh, I'm watching him in Okada, and for me as a fan, my favorites of all time are Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. Uh, 
Uh, and I know, you know, they may not be the absolute greatest of all time. Uh, Misawa should be in that conversation. Ric Flair, those kinds of guys. But watching Okada and Omega, especially Okada, but Omega too, I, I've been watching them and I'm thinking, these guys are better than Brett and Sean, which that blows my mind as a fan. Uh, I, I cannot state how much that is incredible to me where I'm, I'm watching these guys work and I'm buying into what they're doing and I'm emotionally invested in all their matches and every single match I'm watching what they do and I'm thinking, I have never seen anything this good. Uh, and some people will disagree and that's fine. But for me, I, I, it just connects with me on that level. Uh, some people will say Sean, Brett, Flair, all those guys are better. And that's fine. That's fine. Uh, other people will say Misawa and Kobashi. They, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fault you for saying any one of those guys are better than Okada Omega. They are some of the greatest of all time, if not the greatest. Uh, but Omega and Okada are on their way to being absolute legends in this sport of pro wrestling this uh, fictionalized sport, but a sport nonetheless. Uh, Okada and Omega are, they're right now, compared to everyone else in the world, I think they're on another level. The only guys who can keep up with them if they're at the top of their game is uh, AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura, uh, in my opinion. Um, but WWE limits their style, and there's reasons for that. The, the, this crazy schedule WWE has... Uh, has a natural limitation to it, but you know, I think if you put AJ and Shinsuke back in New Japan, they could probably be on that level as well, along with Hiroshi Tanahashi and uh, even Ishii and Abushi. But they have a lot of great top guys, and Naito, uh, hey, and uh, another dark horse, even Minoru Suzuki. Uh, some people don't see him at that level, but <laughs> you watch the the general quality of his matches, and he has a lot of great matches. Uh, he's another guy that should be in that conversation, but we'll get to him in a second. Uh, next up is Juice Robinson, who was C.J. Parker in the WWE, I believe, uh, in NXT. And <laughs> you hear this if you're an NXT or WWE fan and have never watched New Japan or don't know much about it. Uh, you might think, oh, what's that guy doing there? He wasn't that great. And you're right if you were only judging him by his WWE run. But he went to Japan and became a young boy, uh, a young lion, and w worked with the guys in the dojo and turned his career around. Um, this is a real criticism of WWE's training style because they trained him, and he was just okay. And then he goes to New Japan... And he gets some training there and works with some of the best in the world. And suddenly this guy's a great worker. And I wasn't sold on him succeeding in Japan at first. But they saw something in him. And they gave him a shot. And they put him in there with guys who would help him learn how to work. And I think he was at the dojo working with the other young boys and young lions. And suddenly he started to improve. For the first little while, it was like you didn't really see much. And then out of nowhere, there was a match, and you go, huh, that was actually really good. 
Juice is getting really good. And then you start looking forward to his matches. And then he has a great feud with Tetsuya Naito. And suddenly Juice Robinson is becoming a very good up-and-coming worker in New Japan. So this might be a breakout tournament for him. Uh, I expect he's going to get a big win or two. Um, I think he might beat Minoru Suzuki in their matches, which would be huge. And that might lead to him getting a shot at the Never Openweight Championship. And uh, you know what? I'd put the belt on him. I, I would put that butt title on him. He's, he, uh, he's shown hard work and dedication pays off. And this guy is phenomenally underrated. Uh, and WWE's training system did him no justice. Uh, if you watch at the quality of students that are produced by the New Japan Dojo compared to the WWE Performance Center, uh, the Dojo wins every time. Um, the Performance Center claims that it's produced stars like Kevin Owens and all that, but that was really the indie scene. The best guys the Performance Center has produced, the absolute best guys, Roman Reigns, and if you're not a fan of Roman, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not going to argue with you on that. I'm not the biggest Roman fan, but if you say he sucks as a worker, you're just wrong. <laughs> I, I don't care. You're wrong. Uh, he is a fantastic worker. Uh, I'm not a fan of his character, and I'm not really sure if he should be the top babyface in WWE. Uh, I see him more as a top heel, but he is just you know, a fantastic wrestler. But he's one of the best guys the Performance Center has produced. Uh, I'm trying to think of others. There are some uh, that are there. I suppose Baron Corbin, but he's really not that good. Uh, he's not horrible. He's just not great. Uh, Braun Strowman is good because his character has been booked properly. In the ring, he's still nothing that special, but with the right guy, he'll have a great match. So the Performance Center has produced some great guys. I'm not, I'm not saying it hasn't. It's just the track record in the New Japan Dojo is much better. And so if you're going to train to be a pro wrestler, try to go to that New Japan Dojo and see what happens, if they let you in. If not, go to Lance Storm's Academy. Uh, who has another proven track record uh, where many WWE stars have been signed through Landstorm's Academy TNA stars, or, well, GFW, Impact, whatever it's called. Uh, even some have ended up in New Japan, some work in Wrestle Circus. They're working all over the indie scene. So if you're going to train as a wrestler, go to Landstorm or try to go to the New Japan Dojo. There's lots of other good places, too. I know Michael Elgin does some training, and he's a guy you'd want to learn from. But uh, anyways, that's all beside the point. Juice Robinson has improved greatly, and I fully expect him to have a great run in this G1. Uh, this is going to be a breakout year for him. This is his first G1. Uh, I don't think he's going to win or anything, but I expect him to be right around the middle range. He'll lose to many of the main eventers, but, but move up the ranks uh, by beating one or two of them. So that should be a lot of fun to watch him. Uh, next up is Sonata, who is a member of Los Ingobernables de Japan. And I just realized I didn't run down the members of the other groups. I did say Kojima was unaffiliated. Okada is a member of Chaos. Kenny Omega is a member of the Bullet Club. Juice Robinson is unaffiliated. Although he's really a member of Taguchi Japan, the greatest not real stable slash football slash baseball team ever. 
uh, SA football in the United Kingdom sense, not in the American football sense. Uh, you know, Canadian, I kind of, kind of, I call it both soccer and football, uh, and I differentiate it quite a bit from American football. Back here in Canada, we call it both because we use both American English and British English, and it's just confusing. Um, anyways. If you ever wondered why, on a side note, why I spend, spell things the British way on my Twitter, that's why. Because Canadians tend to spell things in the with British English. We accept the American English, but we tend to spell with British English, and we kind of have a weird mix of the two called Canadian English. Anyways, uh, fun, that's a story aside. We're going to go right back to talking about Sonata, the member of Los Ingobernables de Hapan. Uh, and he is going to be facing off against his own stablemate, Evil, eventually in this tournament, which would actually be a very interesting match. Uh, but Sonata is another guy who I see as a future champion. I don't know if IWGP level, or heavyweight champion level, but maybe intercontinental level. Uh, he is outstanding. And when I say that, I have to differentiate for people who don't know uh, if you're not a fan of New Japan, the IWGP Heavyweight Championship and the IWGP Intercontinental Championship are both main event titles. So it's not like WWE at all where the U.S. title and Intercontinental title are kind of secondary to the Universal and WWE World Heavyweight Championships. Um, the, if you win the Intercontinental title, you're going to be main eventing shows. Uh, and even if you're a junior champion, you might main event some shows too, uh, and or a never open weight champion. All their titles kind of have uh, more value and prestige to them because they protect them very well, uh, except for the uh, never open weight six-man championship that is just hot-shotted around all over the place. But that's okay. That's, that's, that's what that title is for. Uh, and really, though, most of their titles are capable of closing a show. Maybe not the tag team titles for the IWGP tag team and IWGP junior tag team, but the, New Japan does a really good job protecting their championships and making them mean something. Uh, I mean, Kenny Omega is the U.S. champion, and I fully expect him to be main eventing shows defending that title, uh, not only in Japan, but I, I expect in Ring of Honor as well, because... Uh, they want it's a U.S. title, so it's going to be defended in the U.S. Uh, and so I expect Omega to be doing more Ring of Honor appearances as well, which is just awesome. We're going to get some great matches out of that. I'd like to see him versus Jay Lethal again, who's another guy. I wish he was in the G1, uh, maybe maybe next year. But uh, back to Sonata, um, he's a guy who I can see reaching that intercontinental level. I'm not sure if he would ever be the IWGP heavyweight champion, but uh, I do see him as a main eventer. Uh, if he does, he's not. If he wins the IWGP heavyweight championship, it's not going to be in that Tokyo Dome range. It would be in between, uh, between that and the G1, or after that and the, and the G1, and uh, probably Okada will be winning it back. Um, Okada is the the new ace of the company. So the New Japan really has kind of two aces right now uh, in Tanahashi and Okada. And not coincidentally, they hold the top two titles in the World Heavyweight and Intercontinental Championships. So Sonata should have some great matches here. Um, his match with Okada should be very good. Uh, the Michael Elka match, that that's going to be interesting. That uh, You know what? Don't sleep on that match. 
That might be an excellent match. Um, next up is Minoru Suzuki, the leader of Suzuki Goon. Uh, and he is the scariest man in wrestling. If you look at him, he's utterly terrifying. I'm pretty sure most of his opponents look at him and then lose the match before they even wrestle. Uh, <laughs> no, I know, I'm joking. Wrestling is predetermined. It's fake. But Suzuki is that kind of guy that even if you're booked to win, you go look at him and you probably go, oh, I'm going to change my mind and match and do the job. Uh, <laughs> Suzuki is just outstanding. He's a fun guy to watch. His match with Okada was so awesome uh, earlier this year. I love that match so much. It's going to be really overshadowed by the other matches Okada had, especially the ones with Omega. But uh, I think Dave Meltzer gave it four and three-quarter stars. I would have given it full five myself. I love that match. The selling Okada did for him. Suzuki just worked that match perfectly. It was a beautiful match. Uh, next up... Uh, well, actually, that reminds me. We're going to get a rematch between Suzuki and Okada. And Suzuki and Omega, oh my gosh, that's going to be awesome. Uh, and Suzuki Elgin, Suzuki Juice, oh, so many good matches. S Suzuki Toru Yano could be really funny. Uh, Yano is going to be the comedy character of these, this G1. Um, the next up we have Tamatanga, a uh, member of the Bullet Club, and uh, I don't expect him to win, but he will get some big wins. Uh, he's another guy. He's uh, in his early 30s and the kind of fella that has, you know, a lot of potential to be great. And he has actually been very, very good for a while. Um, not top tier level. I'm actually really shocked WWE hasn't signed him uh, to NXT, given he's Haku or Ming's son. Ming being the scariest man in wrestling history. Uh, if you go by the stories of many wrestlers of who's the toughest man you've ever met and everyone says Haku or Ming, same guy. Uh, <laughs> just just listen to podcasts and stories about Ming and Ming. He's just this is so great. He has, has such a legendary status. I don't know if they're mythological or not, Um some of them are real, some of them aren't, some of them probably aren't true or exaggerated greatly, but he is known to be the scariest and toughest man in the history of wrestling as Haku or Ming, and Tamatanga is the son of him, and uh, this should be interesting to see what they do with him. Uh, I, I might... You might see a singles title run in his future, uh, although he's teaming with his uh, brother, uh, Tangaloa, or Tangaroa. I'm not really sure how to pronounce that. I, my apologies. I'm sure some someone will correct me on Twitter about that. Um, but Tamatanga and his brother might get an uh, IWGP Tag Team Championship run again. Uh, we'll see. I, I'd like to see a single run down the line for him, but a tag team run is fine, too. He's really a great tag team with his brother. And closing it off is the Chaos member, Toro Yano, the infamous weasel cheating heel that everyone loves because he's hilarious. Uh, I expect to, as soon as the bell rings to see him run towards the turnbuckle and untie it and whack, uh, whack a guy with a turnbuckle pad and send him flying into it. He tries to cheat all the time. One of the funniest matches, I think, uh, in terms of comedy last year, in last year's G1 
was Toriyano versus Kenny Omega, where they tried to out-cheat each other the entire match. And the funniest spot was they were low-blowing each other back and forth uh, behind the referee's back. And Yano, uh, well, Omega uh, put some water in his mouth like he was going to spit on Yano. And as Yano low-blowed Omega, Omega spit the water into the referee's eyes, blinding the ref so he couldn't see the cheating. I thought that was so funny. I laughed so much. Uh, maybe someone didn't. Maybe some people thought it was stupid or they don't get Yano. I loved it. I thought it was so funny. Uh, and he's going to bring a comedic relief and kind of a little bit of levity to the seriousness uh, here in these matches. And he's the kind of guy where you can lose to him, but there's always an excuse because he cheated. So he can be a play spoiler for certain guys. Uh, but so if he wins, it's not really a big deal. But if he loses, it's not a big deal. It's kind of expected. And so he's the right kind of guy you want to have in there to do that kind of uh, role. Um, but his matches are always fun. They're not. They are not high quality. They are not even close to five stars in quality. But they're. 400 stars and fun. Uh, Yano's a lot of fun to watch for those reasons. Uh, and I expect there to be a lot of fun matches coming out of that. So some of the big matches coming out of the G1 here. We're going to be seeing Hiroshi Tanahashi against Kota Ibushi. Uh, Tanahashi against Ishii. Uh, Tanahashi against Naito, which is always great against uh, Zack Sabre Jr., which I believe is a first-time match. I don't think that's ever happened. Um, I, uh, Kota, uh, Kota Ibushi against Hiroki Goto, um, and against Ishii, and against Naito should all be blow-away matches. But look, watching this, even in the A block, there's probably going to be at least you know five or six match-of-the-year candidates, if not more. Probably even up to the 10 range, which is a bit ridiculous to think about. Uh, but there's going to be a lot of matches here uh, that are going to be really, really great. And don't you, don't sleep on Yuji Nagata. Since this is his last G1, I'm sure he's going to have a few blowaway matches too. Um, in the B block, of course, we're going to get uh, some great matches between Minoru Suzuki and Okada. Uh, Okada's going to have a great match with pretty much everyone, <laughs> even Yano. Uh, I'm really interested to see what that match is going to look like. I think that's going to be really funny, uh, or just a lot of fun. Uh, maybe maybe Okada will just kill him. Um, they're both members of the Chaos Stable, so that should be fun, too. Uh, I'm really interested to see what the, what they do in that match. Uh, I, I think Okada and Kojima, I think I've already mentioned that, but that match, that match is going to be really good. Uh, I I would expect something special out of that. Maybe not. May, I I could be wrong, but I I don't know if they've ever had a one-on-one match before. So that should be really interesting. Uh, if they haven't, they haven't for a while. Or if they have, they haven't for a while. And uh, that's going to be a fun match. So uh, Okada against Evil will be good. Okada against Elgin will be very good. Uh, Okada Juice should be a very interesting match, and it will really show what level of Juice is at. Uh, we're getting to work with a guy like Okada, and it would also help him improve dramatically. Um, let's see. And then, well, there's, I'm leaving this to last, but I'm leaving uh, Okada Omega to last. I'll touch that in a second. 
Uh, Omega versus uh, Elgin will always be great. They always have good matches. Omega Suzuki, a first-time match as far as I know, that should be a lot of fun. Uh, I really think that's going to be a very, very, very good match. Uh, that could really go either way, too. And uh, I think that's actually going to be the first main event of the B, the first B-Block show. Uh, let me look here. Uh, we got Suzuki. Yeah, Suzuki versus Omega. So that's going to be on July 20th. I expect that to close the show. Uh, I would be shocked if it didn't, actually, um, on that night. So the first night uh, will probably be Tanahashi, I would expect, closing it. I, uh, oh, maybe not. They could close it with Goto Ishii but, or uh, Abushi and Naito. But I, I, th I expect it to be Tanahashi against Zack Sabre Jr. I think that will close the July 17th show, the first A-block show. And the first B-block show should be closed by Suzuki and... Uh, uh, Omega, I could, I could, uh, no, yeah, that that'd be the one that's going to close. I was going <laughs> to, I was going to say it could be Okada, but then I realized he's fighting Toru Uniano, so no, that's not going to close the show. Uh, so Suzuki and Omega will probably close the show on the July 20th show. Uh, let's see. So Omega is going to have uh, some great matches here uh, against Robinson. That Juice Robinson and uh, Omega will be a very interesting one, too. And again, another match to test what level Juice is at. To kind of see him mix it up with the, the top of the, t the... The cream of the crop, as Macho Man would say. The top of the pile. Uh, the top of the barrel? not the, As opposed to the bottom? Well, yeah, whatever. You get my point. Uh, we're going to see Omega... Uh, deliver some outstanding matches. Sonata and Evil should be very good uh, against Omega. And Omega <laughs> Omega and Yano, that's going to be fun. That's, it's not going to be a five-star match, but that match is going to be 3,000 stars of fun. I keep increasing the number, but that's going to be fun. Uh, then, then uh, we have Tamatanga, who will have I think it's going to be very interesting to see him against uh, uh, Omega and Okada. Uh, don't, I, th I think those are going to be very good matches. Don't Again, don't sleep on those matches that you go, oh, well, not really sure how that one's going to be because this guy isn't a main eventer. I, I think we're going to see a lot of great matches out of some guys we don't expect. Uh, Toriyano, all his matches will be fun, but I've already talked about that. So now it's kind of time to talk about the match that everyone is talking about. Kazuchika, or Kazuchika Okada, however you pronounce it. I've heard it pronounced both ways, uh, and I've heard it pronounced by a Japanese announcer as... Ka um, uh, oh, bad, bad. Um, oh, sorry, uh, I've heard of Okada pronounced it in English as Kazuchika, but uh, anyways, Okada versus Omega 3. The big one. The match that everyone is looking forward to. And uh, this is where I'm going to bring Twitter into this to see if there's any more questions. But uh, my friend David, AJ, at AJ Omega Mark on uh, Twitter, is uh, asked me a question. And I think it's a really good question, so I'm going to read it here. How can Okada Omega possibly top their first two matches with only 30 minutes? That is 
an absolutely excellent question and one I could I could really say I don't know uh, how they're going to do it F for several reasons. First, how are you going to top the the two first two matches they had? I it's almost impossible to top it. I thought it was impos impossible to top the first one, and they they did it with the 60-minute draw. Uh, so if this isn't as good as those two, uh, I'm not going to be disappointed because it's going to be very, 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 very hard to live up to those first two. Those matches are going to be outstanding, or the match is going to be outstanding regardless, but it may not be six stars. That's what I'm saying. Um, probably in that five-star range, though. Uh, and I don't know how they're going to try it. I, I don't know how they're going to top the other two. They're, I'm sure they're going to try. Uh, these guys have a lot of pride in what they do, and I'm sure they're going to try. Uh, so we'll have to see. The only real answer I can have is that they're going to go at, at a ridiculous pace for 30 minutes. Um, cut, cut their one hour match in half but put all the same amount of action in it basically that that is where i see that going um and i think i think it's going to come down to that to determine who makes the finals from the b block i think it's okada or omega winning the b block uh it could it could be uh, a surprise like an elgin or a suzuki but I expect it to be Okada or Omega winning the B block, and I think it's going to come down to that last match between the two. Uh, I, I submitted my pickings, my picks to the Voices of Wrestling Pick'em Contest, uh, which if you haven't done, I suggest you go to. You can win some great prizes. Go to VoicesOfWrestling.com uh, and just enter the Pick'em Contest. Uh, I, but how I picked might not have ended up being that way. But I, my prediction is that it's going to go down to Okada and Omega, uh, and the B Block Finals uh, will be those two facing off uh, to get to the finals of the tournament. And I am going to throw a wild guess out there. Um, I think it's going to go to a draw again. Uh, after a 60-minute draw, a draw would make sense. However, they might go with Omega finally beating Okada and going to the finals. If it goes to a 30-minute draw, uh, one of them could still advance to the finals, depending on how the other parts of the round robin works. But we'll get to that when the uh, tournament starts and we start breaking down how the matches work. I'm not going to do a Dave Meltzer and break down every single possibility, because... That will take forever, and I've already been talking for an hour, and I don't need to talk for an hour more. Uh, but that that would not be as amusing for you. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> it would be a headache for me. I'm not Dave Meltzer. I can't think that way. But we'll talk about the possibilities of the finals as the closer we get to it. Uh, I think Omega is going to the finals. Um, I'm not sure who's going to go to the finals from the A block. It could be Naito. Uh, I am going to pick a Dark Horse candidate in uh, Kota Ibushi, and I think our finals is going to be Kota Ibushi versus Kenny Omega, and I'm probably going to be very, very wrong on my guess, but <laughs> that's the beauty of the G1. You never really know what, what's going to happen. There's going to be so many outstanding matches, and I do think we're going to see Kenny Omega versus Kota Ibushi again very soon in New Japan. 
Uh, it's never happened there, but I do expect we're going to see it, whether it happens uh, in the G1 or at the Tokyo Dome or even after that uh, as a U.S. title match or before that as a U.S. title match. I don't know, but I do expect we're going to see it. Uh, I can see Ibushi and Tanahashi having a, a feud uh, over the Intercontinental title and maybe Ibushi winning the Intercontinental title at Wrestle Kingdom, which would be very interesting. So there's lots of interesting possibilities coming out of this. It's going to be really fun to see where they're going because from this point forward, they are on, on full-scale, okay, we're moving towards January. For the next five months... New Japan is going to be on fire. They, they have been already this entire year. It's been great, but now everything is moving towards Wrestle Kingdom again. And then before, uh, then after that, everything is going to move towards the G1. And New Japan is so great at the long-term booking. They always make logical decisions, for, and everything has a purpose. If a guy loses, he loses for a reason. If he wins, he wins for a reason. Wins and losses matter. So if you're going to be jumping into New Japan for the first time with the G1 Climax, which I highly suggest you do, it's going to be hard to keep up, but it's totally worth it if you're a wrestling fan you're going to see some truly outstanding matches. Uh, even if you skip the first half of each show, which is just opening tag matches, and just go to the, uh, the block matches, uh, the five matches that close the show, uh, you're going to get outstanding, outstanding wrestling uh, day after day for a month. And this is so exciting. Uh, some people don't, don't seem to think this as, uh, as exciting as previous years because there's not as many outsiders coming in, um, except for really Abushi, Abushi being the biggest name. Uh, and maybe he's not an outsider anymore. Maybe he's back in New Japan on a more full-time basis. Uh, but he's a true freelancer in, uh, in wrestling who goes from promotion to promotion wherever he wants. Minoru Suzuki's like that, too. His home base is New Japan, but he, he goes to wherever he wants. And uh, Abushi's kind of doing the same thing, but maybe New Japan will be his home base uh, more permanently now. Um, there's, but yeah, I, I expect at minimum four or five five-star matches coming out of this G1, uh, and the finals is going to be great. Uh, and Okada and Omega, who knows? Maybe they'll deliver a seven-star match. Uh, these guys, I don't doubt their ability at all. They are going to have killer match after killer match, uh, provided no one gets hurt and eliminated from the tournament because of an actual injury. I really hope that doesn't happen. They've been very good for that in recent years. The closest was uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, where he hurt his arm and he missed two shows or something like that and had to forfeit a match to Michael Elgin. Um, but yeah, uh, I think we're going to have just a great G1. It's one of the most exciting times as a fan of, of wrestling in general, not just WWE, not just New Japan, because we're going to get to see some dream matches here, and we're going to see some truly, truly awesome wrestling. And I expect with the hype coming out of the G1 special in the U.S., we're going to see a few more signups for New Japan World. Uh, so if you are new to New Japan, please, please, please uh, consider consider diving in and watching the G1 Climax. Uh, if you have any questions about it or how it's going to work, how do I sign up for New Japan World? How, 
how do I watch the shows? What's the schedule for the shows? Uh, I don't quite understand the website. What's the story of this wrestler? Send them in. Uh, I will do my best to answer them. I am by far not an expert. Uh, the Voices of Wrestling website will have a great rundown of all the competitors. I believe it's already up on the website, uh, both blocks, that will help introduce you to it as well. Uh, but please, send me questions if you have any. Uh, I know Wrestling Observer will also be able to answer them. Then Dave Meltzer will answer them in The Observer uh, and introduce people to what's going on and talk about all the matches. And they'll do it on The Observer Radio as well. But... Uh, if you want to ask me, please go right ahead, and I'll do my best to answer your questions. I want to thank David for sending in his, and if there are any more questions in the next uh, few days when we go into doing the podcast for the G1 itself, uh, I will answer them as they come. Uh, and this is where I make the announcement official, although I already talked about it on Twitter. I am going to be doing a podcast after every single G1's uh, show. Uh, all 19 shows, I will be covering them all. I'm going to try to, anyways, provided I have the the time and ability. But I'm going to try my best to cover every single G1 show. Uh, so I'm looking to, to do 19 podcasts in less than a month. And that's going to be quite intensive for me. If I can't do it, that's okay. Uh, but I will... At minimum, I will cover all the shows. I'm going to cover every tournament match at some point. So I might have to double up sometimes here and there, but I'm going to try to do 19 shows. So if you have any questions as the tournament goes on or anything before then, if I get enough questions before the tournament starts, I'll just do another podcast answering the questions. Uh, but I hope this helped serve as an introduction to you to New Japan. Uh, for long-time uh, New Japan viewers, hopefully this will provide provided some entertaining analysis and ideas where you can think and dream about the matches and who's going to win. Uh, if you're new to New Japan, I hope this served as a nice little introduction for you. Uh, it's a bit of a long listen, but I know that uh, New Japan's G1 Climax is a bit complicated, so that's why I wanted to kind of explain it thoroughly, talk about the characters, and tell you who they're affiliated with and what some of the big matches coming up are going to be. Um, and I, hey, happy G1, everyone. This is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a great month. I am so excited for this, uh, and we actually have a great, a lot of great stuff coming up with wrestling lately. We have the Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view coming up with Samoa Joe and Lesnar. We have lots of great stuff happening on the indies, and uh, uh, lots of other great things. Uh, so watch out for the podcast coming. I believe I'm going to try to write another, another article for Voices of Wrestling soon, too, uh, but I'm going to leave that as a... Play that one close to the, play my cards close to the chest. There, I'm not. I'm not going to let anyone know what that is until it's done. Uh, it's it's not going to be like my other article that I wrote for Jason Liger. Uh, it's going to be a bit more, uh, a bit more local oriented towards the wrestling scene here in the Maritimes. But I th I want to bring some attention to what's happening at wrestling here in the Maritimes, and I might even do a podcast on it. Uh, but I'm going to have to get Jesse and uh, Stefan to join me for that one because uh, we're all big fans of the wrestling scene here in the Maritimes. Uh, and there's so many guys here that you have never heard of because really we're just a small little pro uh, three provinces with less, 
less than 2 million people. There are 2 million people thereabouts in the three provinces. The largest city has maybe 120,000 people in it, uh, and it is a city uh, by our standards. And the next largest is the city I'm in, uh, Moncton, and it's about 100,000 people. So not a very big city. Some people would call that a small town in the U.S. Uh, and compare that to Toronto, which has several million people, or New York, which is even bigger. Uh, it, you know, we're very, very small. So that's why most people haven't heard of the wrestlers that we have here. But I want to shine some light on that and some of the promotions here. So that that it really isn't telling what the article exactly is but it is giving you a hint to what it's going to be about so if that's interesting to you watch out for that too and uh, i'll have to do a podcast about the local indie scene here with jesse and stefan and maybe a few others if i can uh because i really want to bring some attention to that there's some truly outstanding wrestlers here in the maritimes that should be booked everywhere they should be worldwide on a worldwide stage they are that level of quality it's just because we're in such a small area that no one has really heard of them, at least to some extent. And I say that with uh, not as a disparaging note. It's not that it's not that they aren't good. Uh, it's just that because of our geographic location, it's really kind of looked down upon and not really known. And it, that's a that's a discussion for a future podcast about why the Maritimes isn't really appreciated as much as it should be, especially in terms of its in, uh, wrestling scene, but also in its contribution to the arts and and film and all those kinds of things too. But that's something I'll talk about another time. If that, if that sounds interesting to you, keep an eye out for it. Let me know if that sounds interesting to you and uh, let me know if you're looking forward to the podcast for the G1 uh, this has been a lot of fun talking about it. Last year I wrote an article. This year I decided to do a podcast for it because I have more of the means to do so. And I hope you enjoyed listening. Uh, I've had fun explaining it all. And so that's uh, I think that's it. And I guess uh, provided I can't think of anything else, I guess we'll talk to you again after a while.